Hello, welcome to the Friday, October 20th, 2017 edition of the Sands and Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich and today I'm recording from Singapore. Brad today discussed in two different diaries how currently the Loki ransomware is being distributed. The first one is sort of interesting. I haven't actually seen that yet. And it involves an ISO file as an attachment. Now, ISO files are typically used for CD-ROMs, DVDs. That's their file system. But yes, you can use them as standalone files. And if you're double-clicking on them, in Windows, then the ISO will be opened just like a CD-ROM and you have access to the files inside. Now, as Pratt does discuss in his diary, this doesn't really appear to evade any antivirus, so not really clear why this is done. Maybe just to evade some of the simple email filters that just do delete or block certain file types like the very common zipped JavaScript files that we had in the past and ISO files may not be on those blacklists. So within that ISO, you do have the actual executable and the malware relies on the user clicking and running it. The second trick used by Locke is something that we have talked about a couple times in the last few weeks, and that's the DDE attack. This is where Word actually calls an external program in order to provide it with additional data. Well, in this case, this external program is malware and as talked about before the user will see plenty of warnings and again essentially the malware relies on the user just executing the malware and then we got an update on coinhive the cryptocurrency miner that has been spotted on numerous websites well it turns out that the people behind coinhive have changed directions and uh, they now have an alternative that they call authmine now authmine does explicitly request permission before actually starting its mining task and with that they're hoping that anti-malware will no longer block their miner. The idea here is that websites will give visitors the option to either run the crypto coin miner or to display ads. And the main criticism with CoinHive wasn't so much that it did crypto coin mining, but that it did so without properly notifying the user. In class, when we're talking about private keys, one of my comments often is that one of the simplest way to sometimes find private keys is to just Google for them. Well, it turns out that some attackers may have figured this out, that these private keys are often exposed on badly designed web applications and they're now scanning in particular for SSH keys. Wordfence is reporting that they have noticed a marked increase in scans for file names that are related to private SSH keys. Now, maybe in some ways it's actually a good sign that password brute forcing no longer works as it used to. I kind of doubt that, but definitely using SSH keys may get you in some higher value targets that you wouldn't get in 
otherwise. Now, to protect your SSH keys, be very careful with your private key. A server you're logging into should not really hold your private key. It only needs your public key and the private key should be protected appropriately if possible with a passphrase. The Rohammer attack isn't really new, but it remains one of those somewhat mythical attacks that a lot of people don't quite understand how it really works and how it can be exploited. The attack was originally discovered about two years ago by Google and essentially relies on the attacker flipping certain bits in memory very quickly and by doing so affecting adjacent bits of memory. So it's really under the intersection of software and hardware flaws. Medit Halby now put together a real nice blog post walking you through how the attack exactly works and how to write a working exploit taking advantage of this flaw. The Exploit assumes that you do have control of a virtual machine and you're trying to attack another virtual machine located on the same hardware. So what you're doing here is you're actually using Rowhammer to modify LipPalm, which is the Linux library that's responsible for authentication. So it does allow access without password. Very nice and detailed blog post and certainly makes a great read for the weekend if you would like to sharpen your pen testing skills. Well, and that's it for today. Thanks for listening and talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.